We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we're taping this late on a Thursday night. I want to get this out to our listeners on Friday. I just watched the very end of what was uh, Thursday night football in the NFL. Did you watch any of that game? I watched the majority of that game. It was, I mean, it's the NFL. Even even a game between bad teams can be good. You know, Baker's out, Chubb's out, Hunt's out. It was a good game. It was good football. Well, I didn't watch any of it. I was doing I was doing <laughs> trivia. I, I caught the very end when Dearness Johnson got the first down to win the game. So, Dearness Johnson went beast mode for four quarters. That's the full game recap. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Good waiver wire pickup for all our fantasy friends out there. Right. Uh, before we get into Oklahoma State and Iowa State, by far, in my opinion, the biggest game in the country. Like, not even close. It's, it's an absolute embarrassment that game day is not names. It's just it's a joke. But before we get into all that. Let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Stop by over there in Stilly if you're in town. Cowboys on the road this week, but Mike Boyton, he's been a man amongst town. He was at the equestrian, uh, OSU equestrian event. He was at Bedlam Soccer tonight on Thursday night. The guy's everywhere. I got to imagine he stopped in Chris's at some point, but basketball season is not too far away, so be sure you get to Chris's. And get your gear, man, because I'm fired up for basketball season now, Colby. I don't have a, a TV job making me stay till 1030 at night at the TV station. I can go to Gallagher anytime I want now. I'm fired up for some basketball. You're right. I've been fired up for basketball ever since uh, all those transfers started making their way to Stillwater this summer. So, Dude, they're yeah. loaded. I mean, they're loaded. I saw the weirdest take I'll see all week. I saw somebody on Twitter say that it was a make it or break it season for Boynton. I don't even know who it was. I don't know if I blocked the <laughs> should have. I'm like, make it or break it. What? What? Is this Travis Ford after like his fifth year of his 10-year contract we're talking about here? I mean, come on. Who has a higher approval rating than Mike Boynton? Nobody. Nobody. Mike Boynton's approval rating is the highest in the country. It's higher than Mike Gundy's. And let's face it, Mike Gundy has been 10 trillion times more successful on the actual playing field than, than Mike Boynton, which is just – and Mike Gundy's an alum for crying out loud. That just shows you how popular Mike Boynton truly is. Um, before we get into o- Ocean and Iowa State, since we're talking about Mike Boynton, would you make of Ocean not even being ranked? And, look, I, I somewhat get it. Look, you lost the number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. A lot of these are transfers coming in. You don't know how they're going to mesh. But I think people are really sleeping on Avery Anderson and just the entire roster that that Mike Boynton's built. I mean, the fact they weren't even ranked, I thought they were going to be really highly ranked in the Big 12 uh, preseason poll and things of that nature, and they're not getting much love. Yeah, I actually you – know, you know, are they a top 25 team in the country? Probably, yes. I actually kind of expected them to be unranked, though, because who votes on this? It's people from all around the country. And what do people from all around the country see? They see a team that lost the number one overall pick in the draft, the undisputed number one overall pick in the draft, uh, the guy who, in my opinion, should have been the player of the year a year ago in college basketball, and you play in the Big 12. It's the toughest basketball conference in the country. So I could totally see how somebody nationally who hasn't really paid attention to everything that Mike Boyne's done this offseason, bringing in all these transfers, would look at Oklahoma State and just on face value see a team that lost Cade Cunningham and uh, – plays in the toughest conference in the country. So I expected them to be unranked, but do I expect them to stay unranked? 
Absolutely not. I think this team will surprise a lot of people around the country this year. I don't think we'll be surprised in Stillwater because I think we know this team has a bunch of talent and they've got a guy at the helm that the kids want to play for. Totally. And I, I cannot wait to see what Musa Cisse does for this team. Oh, I mean, you want to talk about a freak among freaks. You've seen him in person yet? I have not. Okay, I saw him at the football game. I've seen him at a couple of football games in Stillwater. And he, you know, all the basketball players make normal people just look infinitesimal, just small. And <laughs> they look like, like big basketball players look like small buildings moving around. Oh, humans. my gosh. It's insane. I, I went to the bathroom at a football game, and they were, like, standing in a huddle out, out underneath on the concourse. And I'm like, oh, my God. It, it's like a, a grouping of trees, like redwoods. <laughs> and Musa Cisse he makes the rest of them look small. He wow. makes the Boone twins look small. He makes Rondell Walker and Bryce Williams. I mean, he makes them all look small. He is a big, big dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a missing piece, obviously. We all love, we all love Big Burn, Big Burn Kuma, uh, Bernard Kuma, but this guy, I think, is going to be a real difference maker inside for some of those matchups, like, like the Oregon State matchup that they ultimately lost in the NCAA tournament. They just weren't big enough, so – we got plenty of time to talk basketball, Colby. Let's let's get into the football game. As I said, like this is one of the worst slates I can remember in college football in terms of just marquee matchups. There's there's almost zero. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, to me is the biggest game in the country, and rightfully so. I think the winner of this game is going to be in the Big Twelve Championship game. That's how that's how much I think there's at stake here. Obviously, there's other games to be played. We're not we're barely halfway through the season, but um. Colby, this game is is absolutely critical. We knew that coming into the season. Oh, she took care of business in step one. That was winning in Austin. Now they go to Ames where, you know, it's going to be a tough place to play. 230 kick, that helps. It's not a night game. But, uh, man, what a huge, huge opportunity on a huge, huge stage for OSU. Yeah, I mean, let's just lay this out for everybody. If Oklahoma State were to win this game, Oklahoma State would move to 7-0 and and 4-0 and in conference. And most importantly, it would log uh, Iowa State and Texas each with two losses in conference, and you would have the head-to-head tiebreaker against both of those schools, which means in the final five games, Oklahoma State would likely have to lose three of those final five to not make it to Jerry's World. Those final five, you've got your Kansas by on the 30th. That's homecoming, so that's – that's a win. So basically, you'd have to lose three of your final four. I, I don't count Kansas as a college football team, so you'd have to lose three of your final four. It's at West Virginia, TCU at home, at Texas Tech, Oklahoma at home. Oklahoma looks great. Obviously, we know the Bedlam history, but do we think they're losing two of three between West Virginia, TCU, and Texas Tech? I certainly don't. So if Oklahoma State wins this game, it puts them in the driver's seat. If Iowa State were to win this game, Iowa State then would have the big game against Texas, and the whole thing would be a complete cluster you know what and uh then we'll figure out what the tiebreakers are down the road but if oklahoma state wins this game then it absolutely i mean it doesn't lock in back-to-back bedlams but it makes back-to-back bedlams to end the season highly highly probable no i'm with you i mean that that makes it pretty much dormy for the rest of the league outside of the state of oklahoma in my opinion so you're, you're totally right in terms of from osu's perspective and and iowa state too i mean they're a weird team, Colby, and, and I've heard so much talk this week. What's the line at before I make my point? What, is it still uh, seven? Been hovering around seven. I don't have it pulled up, but I can have it within 20 it's seconds. It's probably like – I think it moved down to like six and a half, but the bottom line is Vegas is just begging you to take Oklahoma State, and I know you're a big believer in the line, Colby, 
and we'll talk about the line more because you got an interesting tweet this week. You and I both. We can we can break that down in a second. But as down as I've been on Iowa State, and rightfully so, they they barely beat Northern Iowa. They get destroyed by the Iowa Hawkeyes, who they just can never beat. They have a they have a bedlam problem in that series. They totally outgain Baylor and somehow lose that game due to special teams and Brock Purdy just throwing it up for grabs. Well, I was listening to Todd Furman today. He was on the Sports Animal. You know, he, Todd Furman's a, a Vegas, you know, guru, Vegas insider, you know, guy that used to work for Caesars and knows about all about the lines and everything. And in his power rankings, he has Iowa State like in the top ten. And I, I think he I think I wanted to say he put up there like fifth Ooh. or sixth. Because of just their their yards per play metrics on offense and and defense, I mean, Iowa State's led by their defense. I mean, basically, if Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, Iowa State's a really good team. And Brock Purdy only has four interceptions. But the reason this line came at seven, Colby, is the only way they lost to Iowa, they had four turnovers. Like you're just unless you have OSU's defense, you're gonna you're gonna lose that game. And the Baylor game, they outgained them by almost 300 yards. They totally controlled that game as well. So that's where I think it's a little misleading, Colby, where we, we fall in love with just game script and, well, they gained so many yards. They gained so many more yards than their opposing team. Well, look at this. Look at that. I, I kind of – as much as I trust metrics and, and analytics, I think those are valuable – don't we have to factor in that Brock Purdy is a freaking nut job when it comes to a big game? I mean, do we have to go back to the Big 12 championship game where he just literally hit Trey Norwood in the numbers in the end zone when the game was on the line? Do we have to go back to when Malcolm Rodriguez stole his lunch money? Like, I get it. Iowa State's a good offense. They have a really good defense. But to me, it's crazy that everyone, like literally everyone, Colby, is picking Iowa State everyone i haven't heard one person pick oklahoma state yet yeah is that absurd or not i i mean a little bit yeah i, I do think part of it has to do with the line i'm looking at it right now uh iowa state is minus seven on my side and they're juiced at minus 113 so it is a little bit juiced in iowa state's direction at minus seven so uh, i mean make of that what you will the, the thing about this game that has me really tripping out when trying to make my prediction is we're looking at two quarterbacks here who are both very talented, who can do special things on the football field. And they also are both capable of having a four or five turnover game. I mean, both of them. And all season, we make these predictions going into the game. And usually, we kind of have a decent feel. Like last week, I had a pretty good feel. Oklahoma State coming off a bye. Texas, two hard games in a row. I felt good about OSU last week. Some other games earlier in the season, I felt really good about them against Baylor. Really good about them against Kansas State. You, you know, I had feels for those games. I'm having a hard time getting a feel for Oklahoma State, Iowa State, because the line is screwy. This is the first time, Carson, since 1998. Chris Felica, the Bear, on College Game Day, put these stats out earlier on Twitter. First time since 1998, Carson, that a top 10 undefeated team in the country was playing against an unranked opponent and was at least a touchdown underdog. First time since 1998. <laughs> and for the record, in 1998, the top 10 team did not win and they did not cover. That was Notre Dame. They lost 10 to nothing to USC. It was 23 years ago. It's a one-game sample size. Who knows what to make of that? We've got two quarterbacks who can light it up. We've got two quarterbacks who could absolutely turn the ball over 
three possessions in a row and dig their team a hole that they can't dig out of. So I'm having a really hard time getting the pulse on this game because I think Brock Purdy and Spencer Sanders are arguably the two most unpredictable high and low quarterbacks in the entire conference. And when those two go head to head, it's just, it's a matter of which one of those guys show up. Do we get good Brock or bad Brock? Do we get good Spencer or bad Spencer? That probably determines the game, but how do you predict which one of those guys is going to show up and which one isn't? I, I'm having a really hard time time putting my finger on this one no i i'm with you it's a it's a hard game to predict and and matt campbell himself even compared spencer sanders to brock purdy he knows full well how how combustible both quarterbacks are in this game so that that is a tough element to, to really judge coming into this game with iowa state and and i don't know man it's just it's it's weird to me how much people like like i said no one is picking oklahoma state in this game and for all the osu fans who hate the media and think everyone's against Oklahoma State, hate, hate all, the, all the talk that's out there. You have a right to be pissed this week. You have a right to be upset because 1998 this is the last time a, a top 10 team's gone on the road and been that big of a dog. But, Colby, you had an interesting tweet uh, on Twitter this week about just the point spread, and, and I think they were kind of insinuating how much value you put on the point spread line. I do, too. When that line came out, I thought, oh, that's a bad sign for Oklahoma State. But I guess this Twitter follower pointed out that, what, OSU was, what, a 10.5-point dog the last time they went to Ames when Rodriguez had that said pick that I brought up earlier? Yeah, well, that was one of three fourth-quarter interceptions, by the way, for Brock Purdy. And that's what I'm saying. Do you know how hard it is to throw three interceptions in a quarter? I mean, you, a lot of times you don't get the ball three times in a quarter. Brock Purdy threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter. He's capable of that. We've seen Spencer Sanders turn it over in Lubbock a couple of years ago three times in a quarter. We've seen these guys do this. It, it's really hard to get a grip on that. Uh, and, yes, I do pay attention to the lines because I think they can kind of be indicative of what's going to take place. It's just this one doesn't make sense. You know, Iowa State by like three and a half – I can wrap my mind around that because, you know, they're the home team. The, the loss to Iowa is kind of like you said, the bedlam thing. The loss to Baylor, they outgained them by 200 yards. Turnovers and special teams got them. I, I could see how you could get there, but seven, and it's juiced in Iowa State's direction. Carson, the last six times, I, I believe this is the correct stat, the last six times these two teams have played each other, they, uh, this game's been decided by a touchdown or less, and, and we've got a top-10 undefeated team as a seven-point dog. It's just... Uh, we don't have a lot of statistical history for lines like this coming out of Vegas. It's, it's very rare, and it's really messing with my brain because I, I like to look at the lines and kind of use that as not everything when I make my predictions, but just a piece of the pie information that I take in during the week. And this is, this is a weird pie, man. I don't know. Somebody used too much sugar. Somebody threw some baking soda in there. Used some salt to make a pie. I don't know why they do that, but this is a weird pie we're dealing with this week, Carson. It is, and I, and I just – I think both these programs are very similar with what Matt Campbell's done, and we've already mentioned the similarities between the quarterbacks. I think they're both led by their defenses. They're both led by two of the best running backs in the Big 12. They really are kind of mirror images of each other even though OSU to this point hasn't slipped up like Iowa State has. So I think that's, that's a consideration. The game being in Ames is a consideration. But for me, I just – this Oklahoma State defense leads the Big 12 in sacks. And I think that's a huge, huge thing when it comes to Brock Purdy. That's when Brock Purdy gets uncomfortable. That's when Brock Purdy throws it up for grabs. 
And that's when he makes critical mistakes. I mean, Brock Purdy has lost his last two games against Oklahoma State. The one he won was when he came in as the true freshman and no one knew he was going to start. And he lit it up. He looked like Johnny Football in his first appearance ever, of course, against Oklahoma State because OSU has just a – just a tragic history with backup quarterbacks against them. I, I think back to the Baylor game when back in 2015, which the season's shaping up a lot like 2015 when OSU started 10 and 0 and they played Baylor. And what was that guy's name? Like Charlie, Charlie Johnson or no, that's, that's the I former O tackle for. Yeah. No idea what that guy's name was. Chris Johnson, Chris Johnson, I think most generic create a player ever on NCAA looked like Cam Newton in Stillwater against Oklahoma state. So, I don't know, man. Um, for me, it comes down to the defense. I just – I trust them. I would not trust Brock Purdy. I really don't trust Spencer Sanders. But, to me, Colby, it's going to come down to the two running backs, Jalen Warren, Brees Hall. Mike Gunny compared Brees Hall to Thurman Thomas just with how patient he is as a runner. And I think that's where the similarities continue again. I think Jalen Warren is really patient in terms of finding the hole and things of that nature. So, I think running back – and uh, running back, I think whoever whoever wins the rushing battle is is the most cliche, you know, terminology to who wins a game. But I do think Brees Hall and Jalen Warren's a, a key key matchup in this in this game. Yeah, I think they're two of the top three backs in the conference, along with Bijan Robinson. And uh, you know, I don't know who gets the better of that battle. They both had huge games last week. Both almost reached the 200-yard mark. Uh, Jalen Warren against Texas, and then Brees Hall had 30 carries for 197 yards in the 33 to 20 win over Kansas State last week. So these are two of the best backs in the conference. Now, yes, Bijan he, he got north of 120 last week. I mean, that's not crazy for Bijan. That dude is really really good and I thought Oklahoma State's defense handled him well particularly in the fourth quarter when for whatever reason Texas just started going away from him a little bit they they decided to uh I, I don't even really know what their their plan was in the fourth quarter on offense or defense I can't speak for Texas coaching staff I'm sure they've had to answer plenty of those questions this week in Austin um but I don't know I I do trust this front seven against Brees Hall and and the thing is if Oklahoma State can limit Brees Hall, because, you know, he's, he's one of these guys, kind of like Bijan, he's good enough. You're not going to take him totally away. He's not going to have 27 carries for 48 yards or something ridiculous like that. He's probably going to run for north of 100 yards. He's probably going to have a touchdown or two. He's a good player. But if you can limit him to where he doesn't go absolutely bonkers for almost seven yards a carry like he did against Kansas State and almost 200 yards, if you can limit him – and still find ways to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable? Because that's what we've seen from Brock Purdy. I mean, last week against Kansas State, Brock Purdy was comfortable. And he went 22 of 25 in that game for 208 and a touchdown, no interceptions. Pretty easy day at the office for Brock Purdy. He was comfortable for four quarters. You make him uncomfortable, he starts getting happy feet. And we see what we saw two years ago in Ames with those three fourth quarter picks. So it's kind of like you said, Carson, I trust this Oklahoma State defense. And the reason I trust this Oklahoma State defense is because they've earned it. And until they lose that trust, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt every single time. Uh, I, I saw, and look, PFF, it is what it is. You, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But the three highest-graded players on Oklahoma State's defense this year, Colin Oliver, Jason Taylor, Tanner McAllister. Who would have thought that coming into the year? It's just these guys are deep, way, way deep on the defensive side of the ball. And I trust them to slow Brees Hall down and to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And I think that's what you have to do to beat Iowa State. So I like their chances on that side of the ball. 
No, I do too. And friend of the pod, Adam Lunt, made an interesting point where he said, he basically said Texas was the far worse matchup for Oklahoma State in terms of what they do offensively against Oklahoma State's defense. He said what Iowa State does offensively really plays into the hands of what OSU does well. Again, as I mentioned, they lead the Big 12 in sacks. I think they have 19 on the year. But I'll say this, man. Iowa State's really played well the last few weeks. I mean, they've uh, there's balance too. They had 200 yards rushing and passing in the last three games. And while their defense has allowed 300 yards in each of the last two games, 300 yards isn't isn't exactly a high number. They're the best in the conference against the run, which which would be a concern against against Jalen Warren. They're fifth in pass defense, and overall their defense is third in the country. So. As much as we talk about Brock Purdy, I mean, Iowa State, as I mentioned, is a mirror image of Oklahoma State and that their defense is, is rock solid. And that's the one concern I have is if, if OSU can't get anything going with Jalen Warren, well, then it turns into Spencer Sanders' hands. And as we've seen, that can get a little, that can get a little Purdy-ish itself with, with interceptions and things of that nature. But I am encouraged with the emergence of Brennan Presley getting more, getting more run he didn't complete his only pass. We didn't mention the the, the throwback attempt to, to Spencer Sanders last week, Colby, on our previous podcast. But apparently Brennan Presley completed that pass like almost nearly 50 times in practice. Then when it came to the game, he didn't he didn't complete it. Maybe he had a maybe he had a case of the Alex Cates where apparently Gundy thought Alex Cates should should, should start the game against Colorado because he was great in practice and Brandon Whedon wasn't. Maybe that was the case. But uh, I am concerned, Colby, about Jalen Warren, if, if he's not able to get going in the running game, what happens after that? Yeah, I mean, if, if he's not really able to get going, I mean, that's where your quarterback run game has to play a factor, right? It has to. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a crutch that you can lean on for Oklahoma State. And, you, you know, well, I, I would imagine that they will assess pretty early on in the day what kind of Spencer they have on Saturday. Do they have the Spencer who's going to play within himself and go out and light somebody up? Or do they have the Spencer we saw against Baylor where that ball is coming out of his hand and it is go- it's anybody's guess as to where that thing's going. They'll assess that pretty early in the game, and then I think that they'll adjust accordingly with the play calling. Same with Jalen Warren and whether he's able to get going early. So, uh, look, Iowa State has a pretty good defense, but I do think that this is a relatively good matchup for Oklahoma State. I mean, you look at Iowa and Iowa State, and I think some of that is mental with Iowa State. It's, it's their bedlam. They just, for whatever reason, that's a mountain that they can't climb. But, I mean, Iowa, Iowa good defense. Do, do I think Iowa's a really good team? No, not really. But do I think they have a really good defense? Yes. I think the same thing about Oklahoma State. And Iowa locked Iowa State down. So, I, I just, I don't know. Earlier in the week, I thought I was going to pick Iowa State. The closer we've gotten to recording this podcast, I really didn't know who I was going to pick. I mean, as of a, a few hours ago, I was sitting at dinner with my wife, and I'm like, we're going to record later, and I have no idea who I'm picking to win this game. And, and the more we talk about it, the more I just – I trust Jim Knowles. In, in Knowles, we trust, Carson. In Stogie, we trust. Mr. <laughs> Stogie. I, I'm, I'm like you, man. I was, I was doing trivia earlier. And uh, I was thinking a lot about the game while I was trying to answer weird science questions and trivia, which I, I'm of no help. Pop culture and sports, I'm, I'm a great help. But science, I'm like uh, Faraday's law of magnetism or whatever the hell that question was we had earlier. I have no idea. But 
that's kind of like trying to break down Spencer Sanders is, is Faraday's law of magnetism. Where's the, is the magnet going to go to the other team on this pass attempt? But uh, I guess let's, let's make our picks, Colby. Um, I'll go first since, since we're both having a tough time. Look, I want to pick Oklahoma State in this game. I think it's absurd. They're seven-point dogs coming into this with the, the wins they have already on their ledger with how poorly Iowa State has played at times this year, the, the losses they've suffered. And, I mean, they barely beat Northern Iowa, for crying out loud. I guess, oh, I guess you could counter that with OSU barely beat Missouri State and Tulsa. I think OSU, oh, I think OSU is a better team. I do. I just, for me, this could be a 2015 situation where they go 10-0 and to start the year and then lose a couple late, maybe to Oklahoma and TCU. I just think it's a similar to the spot Texas was in last week. I just think it's a bad spot for Oklahoma State. I do. On the road, in Ames, similar team. It's going to be a close game regardless. I want to just pick OSU based on the defense, the way they're going to get after Brock Purdy. I think Spencer Sanders' mobility is an X factor in this game. I think that could be the difference in the game. I just don't think this team's going undefeated. And when I look at the schedule, I don't see a lot of losses past this game. And I just think the spot with Iowa State being at home, I'm going to take Iowa State in a very, 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 very close game. I got Iowa State winning, I think, 24 21 i just i don't trust colby the the offense they've gotten by to this point in miraculous fashion frankly and i just i don't know if spencer sanders has what it takes to to make the plays offensively to win this game against that defense this defense is really good as much as we want to make fun of brock purdy this defense is Maybe not on par with osu but right there they're they're right there and i just think that I don't trust that Jalen Warren can have the same type of success that he's had against a Texas and Kansas State and Baylor's of the world against this Iowa State defense. So I, I'm going to take Iowa State. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the, the point spread looks absolutely foolish after the game. But I'm going to take Iowa State in a close one. Oh, man. I All week I thought I was going to pick Iowa State. And the more we've talked about it, I think we've talked me into Oklahoma State. I, I just look at these two teams. I think this is a pretty good matchup for Oklahoma State. I still think that they're going to feel like they have this chip on their shoulder, like they're not being respected as a 6-0 top-10 team in the country with a top-five defense in the country. It's just the absolute wild-card X factor. There's just no way to predict it is which quarterback turns the ball over. And that could turn this game on its head, you know? If Spencer throws a pick six early in the game whenever they're already down a touchdown or something, or if Purdy does the same thing on the other side, a late touchdown, a late interception could do the same thing. So the quarterbacks are the total wild card, but I'm going to make my prediction assuming that the two quarterbacks' mistakes cancel out, that they turn the ball over the same number of times, whether that's zero each, which I don't think it will be, or once or twice each, which I think is more likely. I think the quarterback turnovers will cancel each other out, in which case I think Oklahoma State is a little bit better team if they don't turn the ball over and give it away. I, I, I make this prediction with a, a small amount of confidence because I really think this is a coin flip, much more so than Vegas does, apparently. But I'm going to go 23-20 Oklahoma State in a low-scoring, hard-fought game that you walk off the field at, uh, at 5 
6.30 or 6 o'clock Saturday evening, and you're really glad you've got your Kansas by next week. Yeah, I just – I'm with you. I just I just feel like the luck's running out for this OSU offense. They've, they've gotten by, and I, I think Brock Purdy in the, in the Iowa State offense has been far more efficient, far more sustainable. And I think, I think ultimately they just get enough – done on third down that's that's another issue for this osu offense colby is that the third down situations they they've gotten kind of behind the chains all year and i just i just kind of think the clock has been ticking on them they they've won again in just incredible fashion over the last few weeks i just that's that's what's stuck in my head the most but i will be glad to say i was wrong if, if osu wins the game because like you're right colby if they win this game man they're they're almost scot free to get to to the to the Big Twelve Championship game. So Yeah, major driver's seat if they win this one. And and by the way, I'm I'm just I'm a lot more concerned about first and second down than I am about third. Early down inefficiency is killing this offense. They're amongst the worst in all of Division One college football in terms of early down efficiency. And you know, do you blame them for not picking up third and nine? Not really. Do you blame them for only getting one yard on first and second down? Absolutely. So that needs to change this weekend, and hopefully it will. Hopefully so. And I think I should really rely on history more than I have. I mean, OSU was struggling in 2019 when Dames won. Uh, they've, I mean, Mike Gundy, frankly, owns Matt Campbell. He's 4-1 and one against him. Uh, I'm going against a lot of history here. I just I, I got to trust what I've seen just on the field so far. So man, I'm I'm waffling even in my pick after I just made it. That's how that's how weird this game is. That's how mirror images they are. Yeah, it's a tough pick. It's like I said earlier in the show, the the feel for this game don't have a good feel for it. But you know that's college football. These are two what I think are pretty evenly matched teams, and the team that makes the fewer mistakes will win. I'd feel better about it if I knew Jaden Bray was going to play. Do we have any update on him? Uh, not that I've heard. Yeah, I haven't heard one. Like, I think he could kind of be the, the Marcel Aitman of this game. Remember how, how big of a game Absolutely. Aitman had there several years ago in Ames, just, just mossing dudes. And I, I think that would certainly help the offense. And Rashad Owens' emergence has been nice. I think Brennan Presley's finally gotten more involved. Tay Martin, I think, will rebound. We all, we all like his potential. That could be, that could be an unforeseen wrinkle that I haven't really foreseen in picking in this game. But, uh, by, but by the way, on the Oklahoma State depth chart, Jaden Bray is listed this week. Was not listed a week ago. So well, that's that good. A potentially good sign that he could be out there. That's good. I mean, I'm basically flipping a coin when I'm picking this game. So. Let's get to Chris's University Spirit Uniform Preview, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, I nailed it last week verbatim. Yep. So I'll lead us off. And as tempting as it is to just pick what they've worn in Ames, since I just picked what they usually wear in Austin, although I guess they hadn't worn it in a long time, since 2016, I believe. I'm going to go off the kind of radar here. I, mean, I wanted to pick black, white, gray, because that's what they wore. The, the Marshall Aitman game comes to mind. I think, I think that's what Rodriguez was wearing when they went to Ames. They like to wear gray against Iowa State. Yeah. But I'm tired of, I'm tired of not seeing this combination, so I'm going to pick it. This is, this is just me willing it to happen. I want white helmet. With the brand, the black stripe going down the middle, the white jersey, obviously, 
and give me the orange pants. Oh. Give me, give me the old school Barry Sanders white, white, orange. I want to see it. I need it. It's been too long. I think it's one of their better road looks. But I'm kind of preparing myself to see some gray if you want to go that route. Yeah, that uh, boy, I really hope that you're right and I'm wrong because I would love to see the white, white, orange. And I already had it written down on my paper here. You can hear it fluttering there. I'm going black, white, gray. That's just for whatever reason, like you said, they break out grays against Iowa State. They've had success whenever they've gone up to Ames with them. And uh, I don't know if they're superstitious with the uniforms, but they're at least a little stitious. So I'm going to go black, white, gray for the Cowboys on Saturday. I like it. That's probably that's probably the safe pick. You might be right about that, but we'll have to wait and see. What, what grabs you uh, nationally? Obviously, down in Norman, Colby, isn't it so OSU that they don't get to play Spencer Rattler early in the wow. year? We all, yes. OSU always has to play OU at the end of the year once they've figured everything out, once they've hit their stride. I think they're undefeated in November over the last two, three years. Caleb Williams looks like already one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's played – he's started one game. Isn't that so OSU? Yeah, I mean, I say this every year. You, you want to get Oklahoma in the first half of the season. If you don't get them in the first half of the season, uh, I mean, you can show up. You can give it your best effort. But they've got it figured out by then. And they've got it figured out with better athletes than what you have. I mean, that's the reality. Oklahoma's bringing in better recruits than anybody else in the conference by a wide margin. So the talent gap is there. And we've talked about this. Gundy is great against everybody in the Big 12 that has equal talent to him. He's even great against Texas, who has better talent than him. But – Oklahoma's where the, the line has been drawn over the last 16 years. And gosh, Caleb Williams looks so good. It's only been, you know, a game and a half, but a game and a half is enough to look at a guy and know that he has it. And it's hard to put your hand on it, but he has it. And he looks pretty good. And Oklahoma State's going to get him at the end of the season. Uh, poor Kansas, you know, Kansas is they get OU this week, OSU next week. So OU will get the Kansas bye out of the way and then homecoming for Oklahoma State. The, the football game will far and away be the least exciting part of homecoming weekend. Looking forward to next weekend, uh, big time. Not the game so much. Going to be an absolute snoozer. Uh, as far as anything else nationally this week, there are absolutely no other good football games. So hard pass on anything else. Yeah, if you just go to ESPN and go to top 25 scores, it's – it's a ghost land. I mean, it's all ranked teams playing mostly rum dums. So not a great week to break things down nationally. Um, do you think Mike Gundy will throw his hat in the ring for like LSU? Uh, maybe to get another pay raise or get that rollover contract back. Um, I don't know, man. That's a good job. That's a really good job. I mean, the last two guys who were down there, I don't think either of us are looking at those guys as all time great coaches in Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. I mean, uh, those guys certainly have reputations that are going to live with them for a long time. And I don't think those reputations are genius collegiate football coaches. And they've both won national titles down there. The recruiting grounds are unbelievable. The fan base is rabid. The money's there. The facilities are there. It's a great job in college football. To me, it's a lot better job uh, than like USC, which can draw all of about 8,000 people for a game whenever they have just a so-so nine-win team. Uh, I think it's a better job than Texas. I think LSU's a really good job that could draw somebody big. 
No, I mean, I, I think I had this discussion recently. I think LSU is a top five job in the country. I agree. You, fact, you factor in the talent pool you're able to recruit from and just what you mentioned. I mean, three different head coaches have won national titles since 2003. That's, that's better than places like USC, which we all rank as, as high-ranking jobs. So I, I'm higher on LSU than, than a lot of people. But speaking of raises, do you think Mike Gundy deserves a raise after this year, after taking a pay cut? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. If there are raises to go around for everybody, sure. If, if only a certain number of people can get raises, that raise needs to go to Jim Knowles because somebody's paying Jim Knowles this offseason. And I just assume it'd be Oklahoma State because I promise somebody from the SEC is going to come and they're going to come with a big fat check. And I hope he has already signed one from Oklahoma State. So if there are raises to go around, Gundy's on that list. If there are limited funds for raises, that money goes to Jim Knowles, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he makes 800 grand, which is a great salary living in Stillwater, America. But most major programs would offer him well over a million dollars. For instance, the Texas defensive coordinator, who you gave a BB last week, rightfully <laughs> so, or last pod, making $1.7 million a year. Ooh. So you could literally double Jim Knowles' salary to get him on par with what he should be making. And that's <laughs> – it's 2021. We're coming off the pandemic and everything, but I think that'd be just – $1.7 a year to play cover two when the other team's trying to run the clock out. That is beautiful. It's crazy, but – It's unbelievable. Jim Knowles deserves a raise. Look, we've all been critical of Mike Gundy after what happened – sorry, I got a frog in my throat here. <clears throat> we've all been critical of Mike Gundy, what happened, you know, over the summer, pandemic-wise, but – excuse me. Golly, I think he, I, I think he deserves a raise, up? Colby. I think he deserves a raise. Um, I do. Yeah, I mean, he took the pay cut last year. Did that pay cut bleed into this year? Did he stay at that reduced salary? I think he did, but okay. Then let. But also, I understand. I understand the notion of look. You don't want to give a raise or whatever every single year based on performance, and he already has a lifetime contract. But I was just kind of getting at the point that. He dealt with a lot of controversy and negativity and criticism. He's been awesome this year. So that's, that's really the only point I was trying to make. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, w I would have no problem with getting him back to where he was. You know, he does you know, Jimbo money, saving money, all that. Don't need to be there. But back to where he was pre-pandemic, I would sign up for that, sure. Yep, I'm with you. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. Everybody enjoy the game. It's the only good one this Saturday in college football. It's in Ames, Iowa, so I can't wait. And it's 2.30 kicks, not 11 a.m. That's oh, good. So uh, we're looking forward to it. And Colby will uh, – who knows, man. If Oklahoma State wins this game, we won't just be breaking down the trip to Jerry World and that potential. We're going to be watching the, uh, the college football playoff ranking show, which it's been a long, long time, Colby, since we've had any interest in watching that show from an Oklahoma State perspective. It has been. That'll be, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. I hadn't even thought about that, of course. You know, maybe uh, brains aren't functioning at full capacity. We are recording this after 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. So, uh, college football playoff show Tuesday. Boy, I hope OSU wins. Gosh, I hope OSU wins Saturday. This is such a big game. If OSU wins, we might have to record after that show to see what the hell, hell happens. Yeah, might have to, you know, do a, a recap on Sunday or something and then fire off a quick little 20-minute or on Tuesday night. 
Sounds good to me. Colby, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll have to see how it plays out in Ames. Absolutely. Good night, Vienna.